0: It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with my bookies live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. Today on the ZabeCast, when is doing an interview politics and when is it just a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Barstool could have a rift on their hands, all referee. It's not exactly Aurora Borealis in the kitchen, but strip club wings? Yeah, that's what he's going with. All that plus Mike Francesa retires with one last doozy. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncenter Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Monday, July 27, 2020, thank you for joining me. It sounds like this microphone is different, and I think it's because I put a different foam windscreen on the microphone. I noticed that my old microphone windscreen, the foam covering had gotten kind of nasty because I will touch my mouth. it from time to time, and of course I spittle into it, even though this is my own personal studio. By the way, you should see a radio station where people share foam microphone windscreens. Forget COVID. You'd be terrified of how nasty those things are. Anyway, I think it sounds different. I, I get a feeling it's different, but I don't know, it might just because it's very late tonight. I have put off doing today's podcast until this very minute. I've got no guest but me. Oh, yeah, good work. Way to get somebody. No, it's going to be a good podcast. I'm just saying that I didn't get anybody. I played a late round of golf today at Westfields Golf Club in Clifton. My de facto pseudo public home course. It's just such a great course. I've played it so many times, and it's always so interesting. And it was in good shape. And, of course, Jason Paul, the uh, head pro there, hooks me up so this was a paid promotional thank you to him so we played very late like 410 tea time glorious back nine glorious but we were running out of daylight at the very end and the group in front of us was killing us oh good news i'm now sponsored by Wingstop with my golf attire General Joe Bass, retired Army general who we played with, owns two wing stops in the Northern Virginia area. And he is the best hookup I have ever had. I got wings after playing golf and had to drive 45 minutes starving with them in my car until I finally got home. You don't know the torture. It was just like, oh. It was the spicy Korean with the garlic Parmesan and their incredible deep-fried Cajun corn-on-the-cob bites. Oh, man. Finally got home and I just jumped into them. It was it was pretty disgusting, actually, the way I went after that stuff. So I, te- I said to Joe, I go, because he had a Wingstop hat, and I go, that's a good-looking hat. It really is. Good logo. I like it. I said... Why don't you just make you know put me on your staff? Let me be your your apparel guy. I'll, I'll I'll wear the apparel anytime I'm golfing, any golf course. I'll put it on my social media. You know I've got thousands of followers that that should be worth money to you. Yeah, right. I said to him, I go look. I'm not going to increase your sales by any percentage point whatsoever, but it would be just kind of a funny lark for me to always wear Wingstop logoed golf stuff. And then talk like, yeah, I'm sponsored by Wingstop. I would still get different shirts that I like in terms of style, but I would just get them as blanks. And I would make sure they're all Wingstop. Because <laughs> who wouldn't want to be sponsored by Wingstop? And John Ronas of the Ronas Golf Academy, who said to me, almost sort of sad, it was pathetic the way he said it. He said to me, he goes, well, if you want a sponsor... The Ronus Academy could be your sponsor, you know. And I just looked at him and I said, Well, you you don't have wings. (laughs) And that was that. Are you going to get to the podcast? I'm getting to the podcast. Let's get into it. When is politics politics? Good question. Barstool's founder, Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, now, Davy Day Trader Global got a chance to sit down and interview President Trump. And for a guy who built this company and just sold it for something like $450 million to a gambling consortium, uh, this is pretty big. He started Barstool as a literal a printed out paper that he would hand out. He'd shove it into Bostonian's sports fans' hands outside the subway. That's where it started. Now the president is inviting him to come to the White House to do an interview. Now I know what you're going to say. Oh, well, you know why? Because Trump knows the power of barstool. Trump knows it connects with younger you know, listeners, viewers, followers, sports fans, and he wants to get in on that. And in Portnoy, he's got a guy that is going to be mostly friendly. Well, one Dan Katz, a.k.a. Big Cat, did not like it at all. And he had this following, I don't want to call it a rant. I think that's too lazy when people call things rants. He had this explanation of why he was very disappointed in how the interview and its approval went down, namely without him being involved.
1: The deal was getting decided and we were putting everything together and they all three of them looked me in my eye and said, you are a key part of this. It's actually written down. It's not like, oh, like we, you, we think you're important. It was written down. You are a key part of this deal. Like This deal doesn't happen without you, Dan. Looked me in the eye and said, you are a partner in this. You are a partner what we're building. So, flash forward to yesterday, I find out on Twitter, I text Erica, I text Dave, I text everyone what's going on. I have no idea. Uh, I then talked to them. So, Dave found out that he had the opportunity to interview the president on Wednesday. He talked to Erica. He talked to Churning Group. He talked to Jay. He didn't talk to me. So, he just blatantly said, I do not care what Dan thinks about this. And I might not have been, I, I, you know, if we had sat down and actually talked about it, I might have landed on, you know what, you got to go do the interview. But I never had that opportunity. And it leaves me now in a spot where I have to ask myself, does Dave Portnoy care about what I think? Does Eric Nardini care about what I think? Does Jay Snowden care about what I think? Am I a partner in this or not? Am I building something with them or not? because it seems like this is a big decision again it's a, it, it's it's you get offered like something like this it's very hard to turn it down i completely understand that but it's a big decision to make that to make that push over the line of we are now in the political world cuz you can't pretend now you can't pretend you can't say we don't do politics when you interview the president in an election year, four months before an election, you can't then say we don't do politics and we're stay straight down the middle. It's impossible. That that has that ship sales. And if that's what we want to do, that's OK. But I need to know because I thought I was a partner and I thought my opinion mattered. And I thought what I you know, where I came, you know, like my my thought process mattered in this decision making and where we want to go as a company. And clearly it doesn't. So it's been a really tough, you know, 12 hours or whatever it's been trying to understand where I fit in now. Because there's there's only two there's only two explanations. One is they didn't want to talk to me because they knew that I would probably be the only dissenting view, which means that when there's tough decisions to be made and Dan might disagree, we just won't ask him so we don't have to hear his view. That means my opinion doesn't matter. Or two, they just said, straight up, his opinion doesn't matter. Either way, my opinion does not matter at this company the way I thought it did 12 hours ago. And that's the part I'm struggling with. Mm.
0: Okay. Well, I would say this when he's asking, how do I fit in here? First of all, I have no idea of where what Dan's background is, how he started with the company. I like him. I, I think he's funny. I don't know if he's talented, but... He has built himself into a persona that is extremely likable. And so that alone is is all you need. It, whether it's true talent or not, I think PFT Commenter is more creative. I think he's more mentally agile. But they're, they're a good combination. The two of them, they have a very successful podcast. But you didn't start Barstool. And you're not the CEO. And you're not the head of Penn Gaming. And so, yeah. Your talent. So when you say, well, I want to know how I fit in now. Well, do you like your new contract? Is it good? Are you still a star in the company? You are? Okay, things are just fine for the most part. Unless you wanted to be on that level, you had to have that stuff written in. Not just some platitude in a contract, which is, you are a very important part of this company. I don't know what kind of contract has... Something like, you are a very important part of this company. Somebody tweeted this clip from the social network, which is, of course, based on how Facebook came about. And here's uh, what it sounded like.
2: It was insanely stupid of me not to have my own lawyers look over all the In in all honesty, I thought they were my lawyers. I was your only friend.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Zuckerberg. (laughs) You had one friend. And you screwed me out of the company. So part of what Dan Katz said was, you know, you didn't ask any hard questions, really no hard follow-ups. And that's true. And it was a chummy interview, which you would expect would be, would, would happen. But is the president, no matter who's the president, whether it's a Democrat, Republican, if you get called to the White House and say you have an opportunity, shouldn't that Trump everything, pardon the pun, shouldn't that? Rise above everything else. Are you now actually doing politics if you interview the president? Yes, some political things were mentioned in the interview. Do you have to have on Biden? What if he says, sure, I'll interview Biden? And what if Biden gets the sense that, I'm not so sure that I want to do that, or I'm not so sure. Portnoy claims to be apolitical, but I think I know which way he leans, so I don't want to be interviewed by him. I want to be interviewed by somebody else, maybe Dan Katz. What, would, what, what if the company said, well, A, he's not the president yet, uh, B, we're not into giving equal time necessarily if it's not perhaps warranted. And I'm not sure if the equal time rules apply here because it's not a broadcast entity. Equal time rules for candidates in elections I think only applies to certified licensed broadcasters, televisions, stations, and radio. This is the internet. This is now the new wild world out there. Could the company say, "Well, Biden's not president yet number one, number two, he doesn't really do interviews because he gets squirrely pretty quick these days, and number three, you can't he can't then pick who he wants to pitch him pitches based on what he think will be he thinks will be the better least hard pitching for lack of a better phrase I don't know. I don't know. Here was was one of the questions Portnoy had for the president.
3: Get get the old man to get a retweet. Get the numbers up. Uh (laughs) We'll
4: talk business. Well, you're doing pretty well on that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So well, so are you. uh,
3: So I consider myself, believe it or not, apolitical. I don't consider myself wildly Republican, Democrat, kind of town in the middle. In fact, this is my first interview I've ever done. So I started at the top.
4: You started very well, that's good.
3: And I was gonna give you the heads up. I don't know if you're gonna remember this. You once were on Ali G's show, and you were the only one that sniffed out that sure. it was a fake interview and the whole thing. I don't know if you remember that. That's, I thought maybe you'd be like, oh, this guy's a fake. and Were
4: you were you involved with that show in some no, way? No, not at
3: all, I just watched it on TV. But you're
4: right, I was the only one. 30 seconds, guys, in and out, I I, I said, hey, this guy's a total fraud, and I left. And, and everyone I else sits out. there
3: for six hours, I know. You're I the only that one that's one. ever
4: given me credit for that, that.
3: was a very sharp move because well, he's, he's pretty good at that, he gets everybody.
4: Um, uh, now I like this interview, no matter what he does, <laughs> yeah. I like this interview now, Mariana. That's right, I said, what? Yeah. what's going on with this guy? And I just felt it was a phony deal. Yeah. And, he and said, nobody else did
3: it. Nobody else.
4: Nobody else smelled it up And he out. said he was some British Broadcasting Corporation. They called up with everything.
0: So obviously, it's getting very chummy here, and they're not getting into much substantive. By the way, I've not listened to the entire interview. Here was Portnoy talking about Fauci. To Trump,
3: course gambling is a big part of what we do. I switch the stock market, actually, right. day trading. So Fauci is on my ex list because every time he talks and says the companies, the, the country should stay inside, my yeah. stocks tank. So I don't like that aspect yeah. of it. No,
4: he'd like to see it closed up for a couple of years, but that's okay because I'm president. So I say, well, I appreciate your opinion. Now give me another opinion, somebody please. Overrule.
3: Yeah, you overrule. No,
4: well, you have to and. No, we're open and we're doing well. And I just had a press conference about opening the schools. You got to open the schools. They have a stronger immune system even than you have or I have.
0: Oh, well, that's not the kids. Right for me. The- and then there was this call to Portnoy's dad, who has been a regular, recurring character on various of his platforms, and who I think his dad is pretty liberal, but I'm not sure.
4: Don't worry about socially distancing. <laughs> no,
3: I'll, I'll be. I'll. i well, will come from this. Hey, uh, i got a question for you. What would you ask this guy, Dad?
0: I know. I, just sent sent me something, so I'm
4: not shocked. Uh, the goal is to shock. We've had a very good interview. And you have a very talented son. Good guy. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's all he's got. He's, all right, he's on have He's honest.
0: <laughs> How about that? That pregnant pause right there was something else. Of course... The fact that Trump said, don't worry about social distancing, and the fact that the two of them were sort of side by side for a moment as they looked into the phone, and they were neither wearing masks, of course somebody tutted that, saying, and Portnoy laughed in his face, sure they're both tested, sure they're blah blah blah, but it's still a risk and it's a bad example. I don't know. I'm sure Dan Katz was upset about this for a variety of reasons, maybe because he hates Donald Trump. But I don't know if it was smart of him to go on that sort of run, that riff there, because all it did was it cemented it into the record that, oh, well, uh, Barstool's into sports into politics. Now they can't get out. They've, you know, Portnoy's basically endorsed Trump with this. Their people are going to say that. Will it hurt them or not? I don't know. Will they have to expand to do more? I mean, this, they got to be careful because, you know, it will be the downfall, I think, of their brand if they don't resist that slippery slope. To be continued, though.
2: It was insanely stupid of me not to have my own lawyers look over all the in, in, In all honesty, I thought they were my lawyers.
0: I thought they were my lawyers.
2: I was your only friend. (laughs) Get
0: one, friend. <laughs> Dan, you're a star. You've probably got a new contract that is worth a shit ton of money. You're well-liked. Uh, you took Coach Dougs to the championship multiple times. If you really wanted to be a partner, you're going to have to put some skin in the game or you would have had to have built the company. Otherwise, they're going to make decisions probably without you going forward. Well, 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 the case of Lou Williams in the NBA bubble, or better yet, outside the NBA bubble, the Clippers' Lou Williams will have a 10-day quarantine on the Orlando campus after picking up food at a a strip called by the name of Magic City. I think it was in Atlanta. He was on an excused absence uh, for supposedly a death in the family, extended family. Next thing you know, he shows up. Smiling in somebody's Instagram account at this strip club, Magic City. Somebody points out, oh, this was taken months ago. Somebody else points out, but one of the guys is wearing a mask. Then the Instagram post is deleted. Next thing you know, the NBA is investigating. And well, their their answer is he said he went there for food. Right. Right. Aurora Borealis, localized in your kitchen, Skinner. (laughs) Although I've been told the wings at Magic City are fantastic. I wouldn't know because I am a Wingstop guy through and through, official. So the NBA has had one guy break curfew or break the bubble the instant that he needed food. And now another guy has (laughs) broke the bubble and has gone to a strip club. Fantastic. Mike Francesa announced on Friday, "This is it. He's done, 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 da, done, done. I mean, like totally done. Finally, quitting radio for good, for good." Although our friend at Back After This says he'll believe it when he sees it, and of course, Francesa not only went out with a self-aggrandizing rationale for it. More on that in a second, but also with one last incorrect prediction, rake to the face. Here he is announcing his retirement.
2: Tomorrow night will be my last regularly scheduled broadcast on the fan. I have been discussing this with the company for a while. We had agreed, and they've been great about it, that I would stay until sports came back. Now, sports has come back. <laughs> the reason
0: I just. Thank you for getting us through this, Mike. You're a hero.
2: Listen, I have cut back dramatically.
0: Uh, yeah, you're doing one hour a day.
2: This has been a very strange year. It has made Agreed. me think about different things. Good. And want to do different things. Good. I don't want to have a regular schedule as part of my day anymore. Who does? I want to spend more time with family. I want to be able yeah. to take my kids to a bunch of colleges. I have three of them in high school right now, and I want to make those trips. I look forward to it. I want to spend more time uh, with my family. I also want to be able to go to Florida more where we have a home. And I have some other interests, business interests, the horses, which I have interest in, and I still horses. have a great goal of trying to one day see if I can find my way to the derby with a horse. It's been a dream. It's been a goal. It's one I haven't been able to fulfill. I'd like to be able to fulfill it. Um, I'm not retiring, but I will tell you that uh, there won't be any more regularly scheduled programs on the fan or anywhere else. That's called retiring. In my uh, future. I'm not saying I won't appear on a show as a guest. I'm not saying you won't hear me publicly. I'm not saying I won't be involved in some projects. Um, All that's possible. I've been offered a couple of times to write a book. I don't know. Maybe one day I'll give in. I don't know. I'm not sure if I will. Maybe. We'll see. Eh, you maybe. Know, maybe, we'll uh, see. Uh, maybe I will. I'm not sure if I will and or I won't. But I'm not saying that you'll never hear from me again. What I'm saying is oh, I think know. it's a very good time. The company has been great about it. Uh, they have been accommodating in every way. Yeah. They want to get you off their books, by the way. And I've said to them during this thing, you know what? When sports comes back... I want to step back from doing anything regularly. I want to be able to be free to go travel, to take my kids to schools, to go to Florida when I want to travel when I want. Uh, It's opened my eyes. This crazy
0: stuff we've gone through. Yeah. Open his eyes. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, good. Good for you, Francesa. But he didn't leave without stepping on one final rake in terms of being dead ass wrong on a sports prediction that came to be wrong in a very short term turnaround Jamal Adams as you probably know was traded from the Jets to the Seahawks for two to two number one draft picks and I think a third draft pick but I don't have it in front of me and this was Frances on his final day before the trade went down on Saturday
2: he's trying to do everything he could to get out of here whether it is to get to his beloved, the Cowboys, or to get to any other team. Problem is, if you're a team like the Cowboys or whatever team that's trying to do something this season, if you bring a guy in, pay him top dollar at the position, and then trade a one and a two, or heaven forbid, two ones for this guy, I could trade two ones for him anyway. You're not going to do it. You're never going to get that. But let's say a one and a two or one and a three. You do that, and then pay a guy top dollar. It's a tremendous burden on your own assets.
0: Yeah, well, guess what? One last kapowang, rake to the face, and look, I'm jealous. The guy has made gazillions of dollars, and he's been very successful. But the end, the, the end years, and certainly the comeback—oh my god—to go out like he did with this fawning, almost year-long retirement. Parade like an athlete would get, like a Hall of Famer would get going city to city, this year long buildup, only to come back, start this ridiculous app, end up trying to go head to head with Michael K, rerouting, just tearing up the new lineup at WFAN, and then finally getting his ass beat by Michael K, which he never lost to him once in his entire run. That counts as a disaster. Of a comeback. But hey, there is money involved and ego involved. So what are you going to do? All right, quickly, I got some Rona stuff for you, which I know you love so much. If you don't like it, then you can go ahead and just tune away. Uh, Good question. What do you do when temporary measures appear no longer needed or maybe they don't work? What do you do then? Say, oh, never mind on these mandatory masks. Good question is, when do you think, this could be a good office pool for you and your your, your coworkers, although you're not in the office now, probably, maybe with your friends, when will your state or wherever you live rescind their mandatory mask law? Or not law, but their mandate, which is really unenforceable, but whatever. Because you think about it, at what point do you go, you know what? We don't need to do this anymore. Today, playing golf, uh, they had the cups turned upside down. And the uh, the way what happens in golf is when the cup inside the green itself is turned upside down, the ball will rest on the underneath sort of structure of the cup very close to the surface of the hole. And on one of the putts, and I took the pin out for some putts because I just don't like putting with the pin in. But on one of the uh, putts... General Joe rolled it right in the middle. It hit the little nub in the middle of the raised cup and bounced straight out. And I go, "Ha ha, ha that's not in." And of course I was just joking. But I was just I said to I said to my boy Ronus. I go, "You can have full depth cups in golf greens now. This could have been rescinded a long time ago. It's not a major transmission vector. Like, uh, you know, there's still no rakes on many golf courses, which they say helps speed a play. There was coolers on the golf course with cups, which a couple of the guys in the group say, I haven't seen that anywhere, you know, cause water, oh, you don't want touching, you're touching the nozzle and there's water uh, contamination. But when it's 95 degrees, which it was, and it's been above 90, 26 of the last 28 days, of uh, course, it's kind of have to have water out there. When do these things come off the books? If you're saying never, you're probably closer to it than I would be. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Meanwhile, an Aussie economist by the name of GG Foster said the following on the 60 Minutes Australia episode that aired this weekend.
3: No death is okay. But welcome to life. Death is part of life. And we are killing more people by keeping ourselves locked down than we are saving. That is the basic point.
4: Economics professor Gigi Foster has a rather shocking plan. She believes rather than mask up, it's time for Australia to man up. And that means instead of trying to beat this virus, we should meet it face-on by getting back to business, even if that sees more deaths. What are we going to wait for? 1 year? 2 years?
3: 5 years? Till those people who had COVID-19 are on their deathbed? Oh, and they get an extra, you know, year that they that they're in the grave. That's tragic, but we cannot afford to
4: wait around.
0: Hmm. You know, I'm sure people are excoriating her. How dare you? Any death is too tragic. Who are you taking a, the last golden year of my grandmother's life away saying, "Well, she was going to die anyway?" I think the stronger argument is a you tell me how many years we can stand doing this economically, socially, mentally. Just go ahead and say we can stay hunkered down for two years. Because, by the way, Australia and New Zealand, they had really low numbers. And they're like, yay, we're winning. We're winning the virus war. And then they're like, okay, when when does this end? And they're like, no, never ends. Got to keep the numbers in the you know low 100s for the entire country. And some people are like, well... This is going to be hard to do for a long time, right? And that's the point that she was making. Oh, yeah. Speaking of masks, guess who was spotted not wearing a mask and pressing the flesh and laughing and cavorting with fellow politicians? One, Andrew Cuomo. That's right. The New York governor who keeps haranguing people, wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. He was down at, I believe, a funeral Uh, for the great Elijah Cummings in Georgia and not wearing a mask indoors with other people. Now, again, I don't really think there was a lot of risk there, and I'm sure he's been tested. And by the way, he, uh, well, his brother Fredo had it, but still, you know, it's all about like, if you're going to harangue us about the rules, you better be fucking militant. I mean, on point, never flinching when it comes to your rules. And then one last thing, and we'll end on Rege. Get this story. Dateline Madison, Wisconsin. Public Health Madison and Dane County, which is the county Madison is in, said on Friday that they are addressing their struggle to process a backlog of negative COVID-19 test results. They say it's been skewing their reported infection rates. Oh. Really? Well, is it a big backlog or is it just a few hundred? 17,000 negative test results. According to DHS Secretary Andrea Palm, this was a problem plaguing many municipalities across the state. As they prioritize those positive cases, negative cases are dragging behind a day or two, even three, as they are making sure they're focusing on stopping the spread. In a massive update, the online data dashboard, Public Health, maintains at around 17,000 negative test results, plummeting the positive percentage rate from 13% down to 2.1. That, of course, is important because public health uses the percent positive rate as one of the metrics in the Forward Dane reopening plan governing how and when certain social distancing measures can be relaxed, including crippling economic ones on businesses. Acknowledging the issue, public health suspended calculating its metrics concerning percent positive and total tests conducted this week. But don't worry, they got an explanation. Quote, Over the past couple of weeks, our data dashboard has appeared to have a high percent positivity rate. This is because each negative test has to be processed manually by a staff person. Our staff prioritize processing positive results. And as the amount of testing has increased, we've had a backlog of negative tests to process. (laughs) How, first of all, we're living in a data age. You're telling me there's no way to ingest the results of the tests? Even if you strip away the actual names for privacy and HIPAA rules, can't you just get a raw number? Shouldn't that be easy to do? This is all in a computer. Nobody's running up to the steps of the DHS going, I got your batch of tests. Here they are. And you're like, oh, okay. Hold on. Let me get my paper for sound effect. There's one positive. There's one negative, another negative, another negative oh, I'm flipping through here. There's a lot of negatives. Do I really have to enter the name? Gertrude Crappenwill from one, two, three Elm street. She, uh, home number, date of birth, negative. Boom. How many more do we have? 16,999. Ah, shit. It's 4 o'clock on a Friday. I'm out of here. Does it sound fishy to you? Because it sounds fishy as fuck to me. Only the negatives they couldn't keep up with. Not the positives. The negatives. And it skewed the positivity rate in the direction of, hey, man, we got to keep Wisconsin closed, or at least Dane County. Shit's out of control. Just putting it out there. Hopefully they can get more manual entry clerks to go ahead and keep up with what should be a pretty vital, important statistic, you would think, in battling this pandemic. Oh yeah, and baseball, I mean, we got some bumps early on. The Marlins delayed their team flight home from Philly due to what they're worried about might be an outbreak of sorts. A couple of Reds players said that they felt sick after coming in contact with a possible positive case. Juan Soto is still in dry dock trying to string two negatives together. And Justin Verlander and Steven Strasburg are already hurt. Reports were Verlander was going to be out for the year. He tweeted, though, no, 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 just two weeks. To which somebody said, well, that's a quarter of the year, so yeah. And Strasburg said he had some nerve issue in his hand. No no word on exactly how long he'll be out, but this is welcome to pandemic baseball. Oh, by the way, no team is 3-0 for the first time since 1954, and that's a good sin stat. Since 1954, no team has started the season 3-0. Is that because of the pandemic? What does that mean exactly? Somebody explain the operative theory, or is it just random coincidence in a really weird year? Lastly, pour one out for Regis Philbin. Uh, Regis Philbin was, what was he, 90 years old? He uh, passed away uh, on Sunday, born in 1931. Oh, do I need to do the math on this? 69 plus 20. 89 years old, Regis Philbin. 88 years old, technically. His age, 88 season. Regis has a resume so long, I can't even go through it here. You probably know him if you're my age or younger, mostly from his second career resurgence with the primetime game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And then he got on to morning talk show uh, fame with you know Kelly Ripa, Regis and Kelly, and of course got huge there. Briefly did a show on ESPN, which flopped. Not his fault, though. And he absolutely loved Notre Dame football here was Regis talking about his beloved Notre Dame in an ESPN interview about 10 years ago
1: when you say you come back to campus do you find it renews you
4: (laughs) nothing like it Jeff nothing like it you know you work in the heart of New York City with all the hustle and bustle and all the sirens and everything else And you come back to Notre Dame I swear to you I don't want to get dramatic about this But it's almost like entering heaven. It is. It really is. is. No doubt about it. Yeah.
0: Sorry about the one channel on that bite. Don't know why it was. Regis Philbin had earned the title of hardest working man in show business. He holds the Guinness World Record for the most hours on U.S. television. Rest in peace, Regis. And you'll be watching your Irish from the best seat in the house. That'll do it for me today. Thank you so much for downloading. Look at that. 36 minutes of, I think, quality programming. I know. I listen to other podcasts like you do, and I catch myself going, this is a podcast that has listeners? This sucks. My podcast is better than that. Anyway, tell a couple of friends, and I appreciate everybody who downloads and is part of this little community. Thanks for listening. Have a good Monday. I've got a fractured week. I'm going up to Milwaukee on Wednesday. We're having the first annual Caddy Day tournament on Thursday. The weather looks cherry. I cannot wait for it. So we may have three or four shows this week. I can't promise a full five. I'll do my best to make it happen. Thanks for having uh, for being with us. Have a great Monday, and we will see you tomorrow.